Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Monday, July 31st, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. We're feeling the heat in Riverside today, with the high expected to be a scorching 97 degrees and the night cooling down to only 83.9. From abroad, we'll be discussing the chilling news of China imposing export controls on drones and drone equipment amid increasing tensions with the U.S. Then, on the domestic front, we have Yellow, one of the largest American freight carriers, planning to file for bankruptcy in what's being called a historic collapse in the trucking industry. In an energy update, despite some major challenges, the first new American nuclear reactor in decades has now entered commercial operation. Finally, we'll switch gears to talk about the roaring sales engine of Lamborghini predicting a record high with 10,000 cars expected to be sold as their CEO gears up for future growth. Stay tuned for details on all this and more right here on Alex's News. We're leading today's news hour with the announcement by China of export controls on certain drones and drone-related equipment. Elias, our tech correspondent, is here to help us understand this. Elias, why has China made this move? Connie, simply put, China is entering into a new phase of technological defense. Amid escalating tensions with the United States over technology access, China claims these controls are necessary to safeguard their national security and interests. These export restrictions, which come into effect from September 1st, will impact a range of equipment including drone engines, lasers, communication equipment, and even anti-drone systems. Will this only affect drone makers, or will consumers feel the impact as well? Interestingly, Connie, it's not just manufacturers who will be impacted. Some consumer drones will be affected too. Under these new rules, no civilian drones can be exported for military purposes, which certainly broadens the reach. Do we know how this will impact the global drone market? China is a major player in drone manufacturing. Among its biggest customers is the United States. For context, DJI, a Chinese-based company, is the leading manufacturer of drones in the U.S. market. This move by China certainly could have far-reaching consequences for both manufacturers and consumers of these products globally. Elias, this isn't the first time China has imposed export controls, correct? That's right, Connie. In fact, these export controls come after China previously announced similar controls on metals used in chipmaking back in July. So it seems we're seeing a broader trend of technological safeguarding against perceived threats from the U.S. and other countries. What has the response been from Chinese manufacturers like DJI? GE, in response to this, has emphatically stated that it strictly complies with all laws and regulations. It's made it clear that it doesn't design or manufacture drones for military use. Looking ahead, Elias, what could the implications of these restrictions be on the tech industry and international relations? The tech industry thrives on global cooperation, Connie. Actions like this add another layer of uncertainty and could possibly lead to tit-for-tat restrictions between countries. Now, as for international relations, this move seems to mark a step up from China in the ongoing technological Cold War, and we'll have to watch closely to see how the U.S. and other countries respond. Indeed, we'll keep our eyes on further developments. Thank you, Elias. Always insightful. That was story one of four today. Moving on to... 
Story number two on our list today discusses the dire situation of Yellow, one of the largest freight carriers in the U.S. To help us understand better, we welcome our esteemed reporter, Grace. Grace, we've heard some troubling reports about Yellow. Can you share what's happening? Certainly, Connie. It seems that Yellow, previously known as YRC Worldwide, is on the brink of shutting down and is expected to file for bankruptcy. This information comes from the Teamsters Union, but it's important to note that the company has not made an official announcement yet. Can you explain more about Yellow's financial situation? Of course, Yellow has been struggling for years, and the pandemic intensified their issues. The company received a $700 million federal pandemic loan back in 2020 as part of the COVID-19 rescue package. However, it's been discovered that this loan disbursement from the Treasury Department was indeed a mistake. Currently, Yellow is left with a daunting $1.3 billion in loan debt, and $729 million of this is owed to the federal government. That's a significant sum. What were the key events that brought Yellow to this position? Several complications have led to this, Connie. First off, the seemingly endless financial problems. Secondly, Yellow and the Teamsters Union have been in an escalating conflict, blaming each other for the company's issues. Just recently, the union threatened to strike, which led more customers to pull away. Consequently, Yellow's freight volumes fell by 80% just within one week. That sounds like a significant drop. What will be the implications of this potential shutdown, both for the directly affected employees and the wider industry? Well, Connie, it's a bleak picture, really. Around 30,000 jobs are at stake here. Additionally, the shutdown could lead to higher shipping rates for retailers and manufacturers. Although it is expected that other freight carriers will absorb Yellow's business, it's also a potential cause for worry when considering supply chain stability. That's certainly a serious situation. Is Yellow's predicament an isolated incident, or is it pertinent to the overall status of freight carriers in the nation? That's a great question, Connie. While it is easy to isolate Yellow's issues as exclusive, it's important to consider the context. The freight industry, like many other sectors, has faced considerable challenges due to the pandemic. However, Yellow's situation does seem to be exacerbated by internal issues and this conflict with the Teamsters Union. Thank you, Grace, for putting all that into perspective. We will certainly be keeping an eye on further developments surrounding Yellow. Absolutely, Connie. It's a complex situation with potential implications that could ripple across several sectors. We'll be sure to keep our viewers updated. Sources NPR News The Wall Street Journal Reuters Orlando Sentinel Ethan, a milestone has been reached in the nuclear power industry with a new nuclear reactor entering operation at Plant Vogdal in Georgia. It's reportedly the first new American reactor built from scratch in decades, according to the Associated Press. Could you give us a bit more context? Sure. Connie, it's a significant move. This new reactor, known as Unit 3, has been successful in testing and is now consistently sending power to the grid. It has an output of 1,100 megawatts, enough to power around 500,000 homes and businesses. With nuclear energy seen as a clean, climate-change-combating energy source, this certainly presents a shift in how the U.S. is approaching energy generation. That's amazing, Ethan. And it's not a small percentage either. I understand Georgia Power relies heavily on this plant? Absolutely, Connie. Plant Vogtel is a major source of the power for the company, 
contributing a total of nearly 25% to its output. So, certainly, its role in Georgia's power supply is hard to overstate. Turning to the not-so-positive aspects of this, the plant has been plagued with cost overruns and delays, with estimates suggesting the project will cost $31 billion, more than double the original $14 billion budget. What could be the wider implications of such cost overruns? That's a great question, Connie. These added costs might deter future investment in nuclear power, especially as the energy industry shifts more towards renewable sources. In certain quarters, there might be skepticism about going ahead with similar nuclear power projects. With Unit 3 now online, what's next for this plant? Unit 4 is next up, Connie. The Nuclear Regulatory Commission has given the green light to start loading radioactive fuel into Unit 4, aiming to have it operational by March. Looks like this project, despite its challenges, is seen as a step toward the government's goal of using nuclear power to tackle climate change and switch to cleaner energy. Could this bring some much-needed impetus to nuclear energy exploration? It's certainly possible, Connie. The completion of Unit 3 and the forthcoming completion of Unit 4 could indeed rekindle interest in nuclear power, despite the financial challenges synonymous with it. It's also important to note that these reactors are a significant boost to Georgia Power's ability to supply energy to their customers. And with this project, the energy industry is seemingly moving away from nuclear power to renewable energy sources. How do these changes speak to the future of energy production in the U.S.? It does represent a seismic shift, Connie. As important as this project is, it could be one of the last large-scale nuclear projects in the U.S. The significant challenges faced, including the cost overruns and delays, paint a complex picture, raising concerns about the viability of such projects in an energy landscape increasingly focusing on renewable sources. A complex picture indeed, Ethan. Thanks for shedding light on the unique and shifting landscape of the energy industry. Always a pleasure, Connie. Turning now to an exciting development in the automotive industry, it appears Lamborghini is revving up for a historic milestone. Our auto industry expert Chloe is here with all the details. Chloe, tell us more. Well, Connie, the luxury sports car maker Lamborghini has big expectations this year. Stefan Winkelmann, the company's CEO, has shared they could potentially reach 10,000 car sales for the first time in their history. For context, consider that Lamborghini saw a 4.9% increase in car sales in the first half of this year compared to last year, with the U.S. turning out to be their largest market. That's quite impressive. Any insights on what might be fueling this increase? Absolutely, Connie. Most of the credit seems to go to the popularity of their Urus SUV, which is priced at around €200,000, or about $219,900, before tax. This model has played a significant contribution in boosting Lamborghini's sales and profits. They managed to sell 5,341 cars globally in the first half of the year, with over a 1,000 of those sold right here in the United States. Quite a success story indeed. Does that mean we can expect more SUV models from Lamborghini? It's quite possible, Connie, but Lamborghini is also focusing its efforts elsewhere. The company recently announced an investment of 1.9 billion euros in its shift to hybrid and electric cars. They plan to launch a fully electric model in 2028, followed by a battery version of the Urus the next year. This aligns with Lamborghini's overall strategy to adapt to consumer preferences and meet sustainability goals.
It sounds like exciting times ahead for Lamborghini, but how does this compare to their rivals in the luxury sports car market? To give you a clear picture, Connie, let's look at Ferrari for instance. They shipped over 13,200 cars last year, so you can see the market is highly competitive. If Lamborghini manages to reach the 10,000 sales mark, it certainly will be a remarkable achievement. Absolutely. This certainly paints a picture of Lamborghini's success in the luxury sports car industry. It also brings into perspective the brand's ongoing efforts to balance its iconic legacy and sustainability goals, wouldn't you say? That's right, Connie. Their expansion of production, the popularity of the Urus SUV, and the investment in hybrid and electric cars indicate tremendous growth potential for the brand. And these developments highlight the significance of their potential milestone, which really places Lamborghini firmly at the forefront of the luxury sports car industry. Well, Chloe, it's clear Lamborghini is not just along for the ride. They are aiming to drive the future of the luxury car industry. Thanks for sharing this enticing piece of news. My pleasure, Connie. It should be interesting to see how this story develops further. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, 11 Labs, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.